0: Hi, everyone. I'm glad to be back, glad to see you. And I'm glad that you're with us, whether you're worshiping at our online campus or physical campuses, but I'm especially glad that God is with us. And I think about all that's taking place in the world, and it's the one thing we can always count on. And he's with us in this moment, and man, that worship set this morning just lit my heart. I just feel right at home again. So thanks to all of those who led in that way. My message today is called Winning Rewards as I close out this series called Summer Games that has brought us through the course of the summer. And it has been such a meaningful series on so many fronts. And I love the fact that, um, that the Apostle Paul borrowed from the ancient games to illustrate what it means to have dynamic faith. That he just wanted more than anything for us to have a faith in Jesus Christ that was alive. He didn't want us to have a nominal faith or a mediocre faith or simply a good faith. He wanted us to have a great faith, a grounded faith, a dynamic faith, a faith that's compelling to those whom we intersect with in life, at work, at home, in our neighborhoods, etc. And so this series has been about that, learning to grow in Christ to that given end. You know, it makes sense to me that, that the Apostle Paul would use games to help us grow in faith because we love game. We love sports. Even if you don't play them, we love them. And you don't even have to win medals or anything like that. We just enjoy taking it all in. I've enjoyed the Tokyo games and hope you have. You probably have some favorite moments. I know I do. Mine tend to land more in the swimming arenas or gymnastics and perhaps gymnastics because I grew up in a family of gymnasts, not me, I wasn't, but you know, I have five sisters, one brother, J. Joel Johnson, Jordy Joel, J. C. Josh, all J's in the journey. My five sisters were all athletes. Three of them were gymnasts. One of them won state champion in uh, beam exercise and floor exercise. And I am so proud of her in that time and her dedication to that journey. I got the first-hand witness to watch my sister Joslyn, who also attends here at Westwood, her devotion to the sport her uncanny discipline in her regiment and her routines and uh, workouts that she did, and then the growth from her ninth grade year to her senior year that led her to those winning ways. In fact, when she won the state championship, I was in the arena when she won, and I jumped out of my shoes and screamed as loud as I could. I was a total embarrassment to her in every possible way, and I didn't care. It was such an exciting time to be part of it. And so I cheered also for our own Minnesota Olympic athletes isn't it fun to have Minnesotans who were in the Olympics and won along the way and so we celebrated I've cheered along with Suni Lee and Grace McCallum as they've returned um, both with silver medals from the team and then also Suni Lee with uh, the medal that she won gold as well as a bronze medal and uh, she was welcomed home here in Minnesota this past week and we're all proud of their accomplishments in every kind of way you know they're already having an impact on gymnasts around the world It's amazing to watch how elite athletes influence. In fact, I came across this in one of the newspaper articles from Ayla Miller, who's from Big Lake. And she says, I want to be like her when I grow up. Obviously, I want to go to the Olympics. (laughs) It's not so easy. It's so accessible along the way. But we know what it takes to get there by watching the stories of some of these great athletes. You know, the truth of it, though, is that God in um, His journey of giving us faith wants us to understand that he intends our faith to be an influential faith, to influence the world in which we live and the people that we know. So Paul teaches us that how to run the race of faith in a way that would allow us to win rewards. But also, it's not just winning the reward, the prize that comes to us in the eternal realm. It's also there for us that we would be an influence to compel people who don't know God through faith in Jesus Christ to be compelled and consider Christ in their life. But as well, to the end, that we would be an influence to take those who do know Christ and help us to grow up in Christ because we're influenced by their faith that we see to be alive and filled with joy. And you may ask the question, and a good start point for us in this is to just get the bearings of where we're going to go. I'm going to speak about the why there are eternal rewards. I'm going to speak to what the scripture describes as five of those eternal rewards. There may be more, but five are outlined for us in scripture. And then I'm going to get kind of personal with you and ask you to think about how you run the, the race of faith in your life. How do you, how do you run the race? I'm gonna give you a think about it statement for just introspection. I'm not filling in the blanks. They're for you to consider your own journey. But let's start with a question that I think is an obvious question. Are there really rewards in heaven? It feels contrarian to what we know. We're saved by grace through faith, not by works. So it feels odd that there would be some kind of reward for us uh, in this journey. But I wanna declare for you as strongly as I can, yes, there are rewards let me take you through a few scriptures first corinthians 9 24 do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize run in such a way as to get the prize and everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training they do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever that the rewards that we work toward on earth can be really good really good but we're told here they don't last. Rather, make it a priority in your life to run the race of faith to win the prize and the rewards that do last, that have eternal influence and impact. Make them a priority. So we go as well to 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due to us. Does that just get you excited about being before the judgment seat of Christ? It seems kind of intimidating, doesn't it? And it's understandable if you don't understand what the text is saying, but the judgment seat of Christ for believers is not about a final exam. And, and how many of you love a final exam? Let me see your hand. None. There's been none today. Nobody's raised their hand for a final exam because we feel pressure around the final exam. It's not a final exam that brings us to a place where um, we find that God is going to do something like punish us, but rather we find this is a, a final exam that simply is about rewarding us, not punishing. Romans 8.1 reinforces this when he says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, what a, what a gift that word is. We are saved by grace through faith. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, our sins, past, present, and future, as we sang about this morning, are forgiven. The blood of Jesus Christ has covered them. So we are set free from the bondage and the slavery of sin that keeps us down and causes us to live in fear, quite honestly. And we know that it is this grace that ushers us into the presence of Jesus Christ when we embrace him by faith. So rewards are given simply for how we run the race of faith. It's about what you do with the faith you've been given. In other words, if, if you've looked at your faith as something, oh yeah, I believe Jesus, I've invited him to come into my life, and then it becomes about the heaven that is still to come, but you're not diligently living in your faith in Christ today, you will miss out on the beauty of all that he intends in the now. This is reinforced again in Revelation 22.2. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give each person according to what they have done. So let me ask the question, why then um, does God include for us a picture of winning rewards in uh, our eternal realm, but being aware of them now? And I think it's for one primary reason. It's to motivate us in a couple of ways. First of all, to motivate us to be and live more like Jesus while we're here and to help others understand they can too. That's his purpose for us. Don't be waiting for heaven around to come to, to us. We wanna engage with the active work of the spirit within us right now. And then secondly, I think quite honestly, he gives us this picture and this glimpse of rewards now to encourage us to trust God. In the hard world in which we live, we need to be reminded it becomes kind of a motivator for us to trust in God. So when you're tempted, trust God. And if you're suffering in any kind of way, trust God. Uh, If you find yourself struggling with anxiety, trust God. Uh, No kidding, yesterday I was at Target, went to pick up a, a few things there, and as I'm leaving, I'm coming through an aisle, and I run into one of our young adults, 24, 25 years of age, have not seen her, I don't think, in two years. Is that kind of your acknowledgement, <laughs> too? You are seeing people for the first time in a long time. And she saw me, and I saw her, and we both just lit up, and she came and gave me a big hug. I go, whoa, cool. And that was kind of a fun moment to expect that. And she said, Oh, hi, Pastor Joel. And I, I said hi to her as well. And then the first thing out of her mouth, the very first thing was, Would you pray for me? I'm really in a battle of anxiety. The weight of what we have gone through, friends, has taken its toll. And she, had, she just couldn't resist. And I realized, I'm a pastor, she knows me. She felt, you know, she could trust me in sharing that moment. But to be in an aisle in Target and to offer a prayer for one who's feeling the weight of the world, trust God. He's giving us a picture of what's ahead for us to the end that we can trust him in all of these things. Really what he's doing, God is acknowledging through rewards that we are sharing in the here and now in the ministry of Jesus and we have entered into the suffering of Jesus. That life is hard and is filled with suffering, but you will never feel closer to Jesus Christ than in the midst of suffering. He comes closest to us in that time as we make ourselves available because we're caring about what Jesus cares about. Our earthly reward system can really confuse us when it comes to the rewards in the eternal realm. So I want to clarify what rewards are not. I'm going to give you three of these clarifying points. First, rewards are not intended to distinguish between good Christians and better Christians. Why do we do this with each other, you know? We go, that's a bad person, that's a good person, that's a better person, that's the best person. It's not that way, that comparison kills on earth and it's not helpful and it's not part of the reality in the heavenly realm. And how can it be? Because we can't speak about how good we are. The Apostle Paul even says, there's no good that dwells within me. And so what is the goodness being talked about here? It's the goodness of Christ who is in us. And so what we find is that we reflect Christ's goodness as we live out our faith because he indwells us through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's his goodness that gets released in this journey, So we're about making him look good, not making ourselves look good. And so we will not envy for the rewards that some people have that you may not have. You know, you're not going, oh, I wish I had that one. <laughs> it doesn't happen that way in the heavenly realm. And I'm grateful. It's simply an acknowledgement of the service that was rendered to Jesus Christ as we ran the race of our faith on earth. Secondly, just as a reinforcement, because I want to be sure there's no confusion about this, that rewards are not intended to help you get your foot into the heavenly realm. We are saved by grace. Through faith, not by works, lest anyone would boast, Look what I did. That clarity is so helpful. We receive this gift of grace by faith and then have access to the beauty and presence of the Lord. And then the third is that rewards in Scripture are described as crowns. So even as I go through this, it can be confusing because you're thinking of crowns in a certain way. So I want to clarify what rewards are not. They are not something, these crowns that you wear on your head like a crown or a wreath. They're not something like stripes, extra stripes you get on a white robe that you get in heaven, though I don't know if you're going to get a white robe in heaven. It's metaphorical language, perhaps. And certainly, it, it doesn't mean that you're going to add rooms to your mansion, so let it go, okay? And, and it's not um, either the, the reality of a better, faster chariot, even though, quite honestly, I kind of long for that. Speed and, oh, yeah, give me a cool chariot to Okay, I'll let it go. It's not about those things, after all. Rewards are not something that you wear. They are something that you experience that elevate the goodness and the beauty of Jesus Christ. So let's take uh, our time and look at the New Testament description of five different eternal rewards that believers can receive. There may be more, but five are outlined for us in scripture. I've had a number of people already say to me, I've never heard a message on rewards, and I pray that it serves as a, Humble motivation for you to want them and to live out your faith to receive one of these prizes. I'm going to give you a point of reflection after we, each one for you to consider. So let's take a look. At the first one is the victor's crown. Paul is thinking here about the athlete in the Roman arena, that before the race is run, they go into strict training. And they go into strict training in order to finish the race, finish the race. And some of them know they have a potential for a medal at the end, but not all of them. And most of them may not get a formal medal, but you still run it. I mean, I I was an athlete not as good as my sisters in many ways, but I gave myself to sports. I did make it to state in uh, track, and I ran a 440 relay, and I was the last of that leg to come through, and I'm proud to say I got last place. (laughs) But I went to state. Did I say that? I, I, I went to state, and... I I just wanted to finish the race. I knew I didn't have a chance to stand on a metal court anywhere, but I knew I got to run the race. I just wanted to finish it. And our our eye is fixed on finishing the race for the goodness of the Lord that is before us in it. And so we find in 1 Corinthians 9.25, this picture, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. We want to finish that race for that beauty. So practically, it means there's a self-discipline to how we live our lives. It requires the ability to say no to many good things that the earth offers to us. I mean, we live in a world of options. We're overwhelmed by the options of goodness that come to us, so we have to prioritize um, those good things that come to uh, to us in our lives. I think about Suni Lee, this uh, young gal from St. Paul wins the gold medal. She's 18 years of age. What an astonishing accomplishment, 18 high school student, and when you read or if you saw some of the documentary footage about Suni Lee, you see her regiment was, quite honestly, kind of brutal, up early in the morning, not easy for high school students along the way. And then to do your first workout before you go to school. Then you go to school. Then after school, you go through a second workout. And then after the second workout, you might have some dinner. And then you go and you do your homework. And then you just thankfully lay your head on the bed until the early morning rises again, which means she had to say no to a lot of good things that we love to experience in high school in order to have better things that she felt were gifted to her around the sport that she loves. I think we can liken that to faith that serving God involves saying no to certain earthly good things in order that we would prioritize some of the eternal things that are cherished for us today and always. So we have to say yes to some of these eternal life options. So we ground our faith in a life of prayer, but that takes time. We, we uh, find a dynamic element to our faith when we're opening up the word of God and hearing the word of God, but that takes time. When we take hands and feet and we serve the Lord and we engage in the backpack ministry or other th- opportunities that we seek to provide for our Westwood family, it requires a prioritization of time, of talent, and of treasure. And that's what this is all about, this reward. Those who exercise such discipline will receive the victor's crown. So think about it. Think about it. Are you prioritizing? Are you prioritizing your time, your talent, your treasure in order to serve God's purposes? Second crown is the crown of righteousness. Paul lived as though Jesus' return was imminent and he longed for it. And it shaped his life and his decision-making on every front, and it also helped him to know that part of his call, and ours, is to be available to join God in God's initiative to put things right, to make things right, in his created order that was marred by sin, to put it back together to fix that which is brokenness in the now until he returns. We read about it in Second Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse 6. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering you get to, I mean, he's just giving the whole of himself I'm being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near I have fought the good fight I have finished the race I have kept the faith and now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day isn't that interesting he he makes it clear I'm I'm getting this one but he does it in humility and he says not only me but also to all who have longed for his appearing He's just elevating. When you're longing for the appearance of Jesus and for him to come again, it shapes how you think of this world and how you give yourself into this world. And Paul believes, with Jesus appearing, that all creation is gonna be made right, that he's gonna fix everything that is broken, and he can't wait for that to happen, but he also believes he's going to get to join God in that effort to make this world a better place. And we all know this, there's so much brokenness and so much pain all around us in this life and our relationships and the world in which we live and it can overwhelm us. I like what Paul says. He's real, he's honest. It's a fight, this world we live in, the brokenness we deal with. But do not miss the adjective. He said it's a good fight. He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. I've referenced this several times because I think it's so important, especially in the times that we're living in. The journey in which we're about is a fight, but it's a good fight. And if we elevate the fight over the good, we're gonna have a hard time keeping the faith, wanting to keep our faith. We're gonna be derailed in the race of faith. But if we elevate the good over the fight, where's the good? Christ who is in us. We have all the fuel, all that we need, we already have in us, and he'll help us press on into what's ahead. It's that good call to trust God in the midst of his presence that is in us. I love that Paul includes this. At the end of his life, he knows he's about to die, and he says, and now there is in store for me a crown of cash. He, he didn't say that. I was just seeing if you were listening. <laughs> he said, no, it's the crown of righteousness. So think about it. Are you available are you available, that is, in letting Christ who is in you work through you to make this world a better world, to help make relationships better? That's part of his purpose. Crown number three. The crown of life is reserved for those, uh, this crown of life, I love this one, is it's reserved for those who maintain their love for Christ in the midst of great oppression, persecution, and suffering, and even martyrdom where you give up your life to follow Christ. James 1.12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. What a crown. This... There are many people who are gonna receive this crown because they have given their life to Jesus. They're so devoted, they've given themselves to Jesus. Now, when you work through the scriptures, you'll find that there is this thing called spiritual gifts that when you come to faith, the Holy Spirit indwells you and the Holy Spirit deposits in every Christ follower at least one spiritual gift, likely two are complementary gifts. There are over 27, 28 spiritual gifts that are identified for us in scriptures. One of them is the spiritual gift of martyrdom. Which is the gift you exercise once. Think about that. <laughs> when you give up your life, this was your moment to exercise that gift to the glory of God on high. And so we find that there are others that will receive this crown too. Any believer who has kept their faith and it's been costly to stand with Jesus in the face of opposition or ridicule or great persecution. Um, but you've persevered, you will receive the crown of life. Revelation 2:10. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer, I tell you. The devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution. Be faithful, be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Think about it. Are you willing? Are you willing to suffer for the name of Jesus? the gospel of Christ. That's what this reward is about. And then the next is the crown of glory. And I love this whole idea of rewards, these incentives that the Lord gives to us. The crown of glory is one of my favorite because of the broad scope of it. The crown of glory is for leaders, for faithful shepherds who watch and care over the souls of God's people. They refer to those who have been faithful as pastors and elders and deacons and ministry team leaders and Sunday school teachers and small group leaders, and I could go on and on. 1 Peter 5, 2 gives us a picture. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So he rewards leaders, specifically leaders who care over the souls of his people. But how we lead really matters. Did you tune in? Did you notice the three warnings that he gives here for leaders? And by the way, don't be thinking of vocational pastors like myself in this. Think about the broad scope of all who care for for folks, care providers and and leaders who um, are small group leaders and Sunday school teachers. And there's a warning here, first of all, against laziness, that we are to be diligent in our call to lead and to serve, not taking shortcuts, Uh, Not looking for comfort and convenience, but to give our best and to give our all because we get to serve the purposes of God in this window of life on earth in anticipation of the eternal realm that's before us. And then, secondly, it's the warning against greed, which is as servant leaders, do not take advantage of people because you get close to people. Do not take advantage of people for your own personal gain. And the third warning is against pride don't power over people. That's a way of the world, power under, serve, wash feet. Don't look for prestige and attention in the roles as you serve. Seek only to put the spotlight on Jesus and all that he's doing in and through you and his purposes on earth. Quite honestly, Paul says that ministry is demanding and at times it feels like a thankless job. But God notices when no one else does. Don't lean on the recognition that you might get from others while we breathe life here. Anticipate his words when he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And you will be rewarded at the resurrection with a crown of glory. It's a crown of honor. So think about it. I may envision your comfort zones with this one just a little bit. Are you called? That is, are you called to lead and to shepherd the souls of others? Perhaps as a small group leader or um, a Sunday school teacher or whatever the case might be, are you called? It's just really a ripe opportunity for me to pause and for us as a church to pause and even express our own gratitude. I thank you, all of you, hundreds of you that have been Sunday school teachers, that have been small group leaders to students and to adults alike, to all of the care providers who are just so up close and personal to the souls of people, God notices. He's designed it, I don't know why, for us to to fill this role and to be part of it. So I've just been filled since studying that particular one to say thank you to all of you who have served and invite you as a church to say let's say thank you to all of the hundreds of leaders who have served Westwood. Let's take a moment to praise Jesus for that by joining our hands together. And thank you all who have served in that given kind of way. the last one is um, the crown of soul winners and this crown is given to those who um, win people to Jesus they bring others to Christ 1st Thessalonians 1 or two nineteen. for what is our hope our joy or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes is it not you indeed you are our glory and our joy Paul and other apostles and disciples and Christ followers are traveling from village to village, city to city and they're proclaiming in humility but with boldness that Jesus Christ is the son of God and the savior of the world and many who hear it believe and they receive Christ as Lord and savior. This reward is given to those who proclaim and people say yes to follow and they receive that beautiful promise of life today and eternity with him. That's why it's called the soul winner's crown. And this is why in invite you again and again to walk across the room and share your faith with those in your neighborhoods, in your marketplace arenas, wherever you might be, and uh, have the opportunity to share your faith. And I realize many of you, uh, I, I don't remember the statistic, but I remember reading an article several years ago about how many Christ followers have never shared the love of Christ with somebody who doesn't know Christ. Then we're just waiting for heaven. No, he purposed us to share So who's in your sphere of influence? And it's our responsibility to help teach you. So we created a really simple little acronym to help you in sharing your faith. I love it, it's called BLESS, B-L-E-S-S. It's an acronym, I'll just briefly touch point on it. We have a, a, a whole video series on it if you wanna listen to it. But the B is to begin with prayer. Start by praying for them. The L is to listen to them, not to agree with them. You may not even understand why they believe what they believe and how they live their lives the way they live their lives, but just listen to them to understand their needs. The third one you're going to like, it's to eat with them. Who doesn't love food? And God is a table God, and something happens when you engage with fellowship and conversation with people around a t- table with food, and it opens up a disarms people. It welcomes us together as one. And the first S is to serve them. Find a need and meet that need. And the last S is to share your story. And in the sharing, the name of Jesus. And if it's the prompting of the Spirit, to invite them to believe in Jesus. You don't need to have the gift of evangelism. We're all called to do this. And when we do, this is the crown of soul winning. So think about it. Are you sharing the gospel? That is, Are you sharing the beauty of Jesus and his name with those who know him not? This is the invitation for us to proclaim. I personally know someone who's going to receive this gift and I get to tell you who it is. (laughs) And this person, many of you may know. I love him very much. Um, Sammy Wagnoni, who is a member here at Westwood with his family, been for a number of years. Um, I've been able to be alongside of him and to see how God has worked with tens of thousands of people coming to faith in Christ. There's a movement of God in the Twin Cities. And he wants to give an invitation for gospel sharing and life witness that we as the church who have sent Sammy out get to participate in. Would you give a warm Westwood welcome to Sammy Guanyone. Come on up, Sammy. I've known Sammy for a lot of years, 17 years. He was I first met him, he was a student of mine when I was teaching at Bethel Seminary. And he was just a really fine student. In fact, I thought he should teach the class and not me. <laughs> I really did. And in fact, I had a death in my family during that class. and. Um, I, you know, deaths you can't plan for. So I invited Sammy if he would pick up and teach that class. It was a four-hour class, which he did. But I did tell him I could not promise an A because he taught the class. <laughs> um, it wasn't hard to give him an A, but just share a little bit about your own personal family and uh, and journey, Sammy. Okay.
1: Yeah, thank you, Joel. Well, one thing I've never told you is that on that oh, day, wait a minute, <laughs> I've, I've, I, I wasn't meant to be in your class at all. I hadn't registered oh, for that I didn't class. didn't know that. Oh. and. <laughs> <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> And uh, But I was praying for a pastoral figure in my life as an evangelist. Oh, interesting. And that evening, somebody just told me, why don't you try out this class? And so I came in, and lo and behold, you walked in, and immediately you looked at me, and you said, you must be an evangelist. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit told me, he must be the pastor. <laughs> so- <laughs> Here we are.
0: Eventually he leaves. He comes to Westwood, becomes a member, and we have sent him out. I mean, it's just been a gift to partner with Sammy. And that's right. Tell us about your family. Well,
1: today actually happens to be a very special day. Um, I'm celebrating 13 years of being married to my lovely bride. Yes, yeah, great. Suzanne. Suzanne. <laughs> Um, one thing you know, I love about Suzanne is that she's so sold out to the Lord. Um, this is the kind of lady she is. You know, two, two months ago, I got an invitation to go and minister to a group of missionaries working underground in Iraq. And uh, I, I came to her, I said, you know, uh, Suzanne, I'm, I have this invitation to go to Iraq. What do you think about it? She's like, sure, go. <laughs> so then I said, but I'm going to Iraq. There's ISIS in this place. It's, uh... Then she looked at me, she's like, What part of God don't you understand? (laughs) So So I'm really grateful, you know, to God for her and the blessing that she is. Uh, We have uh, three kids, uh, Junior, who is 11, uh, Shiloh is nine, and uh, Josiah, who is six. Uh, He, when he's in this place, it's like, Mm -hmm. this is his place. He runs around, uh, he comes in speeding around, so... When you see him, just yeah. know he's, he's part yeah. of my client. <laughs> <plan>.
0: but-, <laughs> but there's a the point that the Sunday school teachers here have really influence. I mean, that's, they've shepherd his soul. He that's wants correct. to be here. He wants to grow. Absolutely. You were a young boy, in fact, when you actually got the call. Most of us don't get that kind of clarity when we're so young, but you were eight. Correct. When the Lord gave you this clarity that you would be about sharing the gospel and soul yeah. soul winning.
1: Yeah, so I'm growing up in a little village in Africa. You know, I didn't wear my first shoe until I was like, you know. 13, um, you know, and and so I used to walk out uh, around bare feet and uh, almost half naked, you know, because we didn't have clothes. But I don't want you to imagine anything. (laughs) Thanks (laughs) for dressing today, Sammy. I was just a kid. Anyway, um, (laughs) yes. (laughs) But in that moment, I encountered Jesus, you know, as a kid. And when I was eight years old, the Lord um, just met me, and uh, I was praying one day with one of my older siblings, and he prayed for me, and I got this... You know, presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, and I, up to that point, I didn't speak English. I hadn't learned English. I had, you know, I had never, had not been in an English class, um, and I just began to speak English like that.
0: Um, Isn't and, that amazing? Overnight.
1: Uh, yeah, overnight. I, and, I
0: don't know why it's British English.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's because the Brits have crowns.
0: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. I just think it's extraordinary because even when I was grading papers, his grammar was perfect. You know, He didn't learn this. God gave it to him in this way. This is why I say he should have taught the class. But anyway, he gave you this beautiful gift, and you've been obedient. You've abided. And then you come to the United States, and uh, we we have this experience. You've kind of landed here because there's a movement of God in the Twin Cities. And part of it is for the nations of the world, and part of it is for the nations that have come to our own doorstep in the Twin Cities. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's part of Sammy's call in his life. We've partnered with you on a lot of fronts to that given end. But... What is this uh, event, you, you've, you're you part of a ministry you started called Shine, right after seminary, correct? and under Shine, which ministers and brings the gospel all around the world, there is a local initiative called Merge. Correct. So what is Merge and its mission? So Merge
1: is an initiative to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the nations <coughs> in the Twin Cities. Now, it includes Scandinavians, all right? So, <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Uh, But we have over 100 different nationalities in the Twin Cities from over 100 different nations a million people, first and second generation, 90% are not part of a church community. They are not hearing the gospel the way we are today in this place. And so the Lord laid on our hearts a burden to mobilize the church to intentionally reach in with the message of Jesus Christ. And how we do that, uh, we provide training, cross-cultural evangelism training, um, and
0: provide different tools and avenues to be able to share the gospel. For three years, I have listened to this vision for this event called Celebrating the Nations that's coming up. 300 churches are partnering. We want to partner with you. Mm -hmm. What is Celebrating the Nations? You've got a video to help us get a picture of it. That's
1: right, so actually the mission has two parts. Part one, uh, from the uh, August 29th through September 3rd, we are inviting believers from all across the city uh, to gather every morning at a Redeeming Love Church. Then we'll go out into the different neighborhoods across the city, sharing and inviting people, getting to engage with the other cultures and as many people as the Lord brings on our way with the love of Jesus Christ. Then on September 4th, we are gathering at the state capitol, and I have a video to show you. Our a special place. It is one of the most diverse regions in the country with over 100 nationalities represented. And where so many feel isolated and divided, we are here to call everyone together. Whether from the suburbs or the inner city, the countryside, or a high-rise, no matter our backgrounds, we are all worth celebrating. Merge exists so every nationality in our region would know they are loved, welcomed, and celebrated for who they are. This is why we are gathering at the Minnesota State Capitol Building on September 4th for a free event. New relationships will form, lives will change, and a city in pain will begin to experience hope. Join us September 4th, and together we will come out stronger. Learn more at www.celebratingthenations.com.
0: I'm personally excited to participate on September 4th with you and your team. Mm -hmm. And really hopeful that Westwood would be one of the lead churches to come alongside and serve. And there are four different ways we can serve. What what are they? Yes, so one of the ways you can pray. You know, prayer
1: uh, is really answering the call of Jesus. He said, pray that God may send forth laborers. And then another way that you can serve is by volunteering. We need at least 300 volunteers to help serve on that day uh, because we have thousands of people that we're expecting. You know, we have uh, national artists that are going to be joining us, like KB, for your young people. Uh, We have uh, Tasha Cobbs. We have uh, Chandler Moe with uh, Maverick City. Um, Lots of songs that we sing here in our own worship services. Uh, And so we shall have thousands of people there, uh, and we need volunteers to help us with that. The third way... Uh, It's for you to even open your home and and your treasures, as we talked about, Uh, that, you know, we have uh, people coming from across the the nation to join us in this outreach, and some of them will be looking for a place to stay uh, for the duration of the week of mission. And if you have an extra room, you know, just uh, meet our team at the back and and, uh, sign up and say, you know, I would love to host somebody uh, at my home. And the final way is for you to share, uh, you know, to come out and be part of this week of outreach uh, and share, you know, your faith. And it's it's an easy avenue. We'll provide training and you'll have others that go with you so you won't be alone. So nothing to be scared about. It
0: will be a wonderful way for us to bring closer the coming of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Let Mm -hmm. let the Lord invade your comfort zone. Join us. You can stop at the table at our physical sites or you look online. We'll direct you and you can certainly get involved. I'd love to pray for you and for this event and what God wants to do. Invite all of you to stand and join me as we do. I'm gonna invite you if you're comfortable to either open your hands or maybe extend your hand metaphorically um, over the city, the Twin Cities and surrounding region for what God is about to do in our own region. Father God, thank you that you give us all kinds of motivations while we live on Earth anticipating your return. We don't wait passively by. We don't wait just for you to come. You have called us to be enjoined with you and your work to make this world a better place, to proclaim the good news that has so changed our very lives and perspective of journey. We pray for our Twin Cities, our hands lifted up, our symbolic of faith and trust that you're gonna meet us in an extraordinary way when we know the spotlight continues to be on the Twin City area, oftentimes out of the darkness, but the light shines greater. We wanna be part of that. For this event, I pray that the nations, the world in the Twin Cities would be gathered. They would hear, they would respond. I pray for Sammy and the team and the anointing of musicians as they proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in compelling ways that cause resistance to drop and a welcome to be made in heart for today and for eternity. We do this all for your honor and glory, giving thanks in Jesus' name, amen. Would you thank Sammy for joining us? Thank you, brother. Well, yeah. Thank you. So good. Wow. Boy, as we go, just a reminder that the race of faith is one to be set out with devotion and discipline and find the spiritual athlete within you and as we do we know that jesus will allow us to become more like him and that we would be able to press on in the midst of whatever it is we're going through i would love for us just to close in a spirit of unity by sharing together the words of paul from philippians chapter 3 beginning at verse 13. join me as we share i do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it but one thing i do forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so let's move forward. Straining toward what lies ahead, the goodness of Jesus, and be available to all that he wants us to be and do in the here and the now. So be blessed as you go. I start a new series on heaven next week. And by the way, hang around if you're on our campuses for um, sugar donuts. I hit three. They're phenomenal. If you're online, come on over. We'll be here for a while. Be blessed as you go. Take care.